When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. Um, still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. I, I, I can have it. You, you, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 32 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joined me in my basement still, because it's still cold outside. Charles Headland, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. It's not that cold outside anymore. It, it was snowing yesterday. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it was 26 degrees when I woke up yesterday. I had to chase my dog. It was cold this morning, actually. I had to chase my dog into my parents' yard in my bare feet in my robe because he decided to chase after the guy bringing the newspaper to my parents. Excellent. Yeah, that was awesome. Let me tell you, <laughs> when I got in, my feet, literally, I couldn't feel them. Oh, dude. I should have been wearing my uh, Crocs. You should have been wearing your Crocs. You let I, Walter down. I didn't have my socks on, so, you know, it just didn't work. No Crocs and socks <laughs> for you. Uh, but also on the way to work, as it was warming up, sun was coming up, I'm driving, man. You know, I'm always looking. Oh, yeah. And I just look over the same spot every morning. And there they are. About 30 gorgeous, beautiful, black bowling balls of turkey thunder. (laughs) 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 And there was like four fanned out. And, man, they just littered the hillside. That's awesome. It got me fired up. Yeah. It's April. It gets me fired up, too, man. I can't wait. It's April. It is. What do we have left? We got 25 days. 25 days. 24 from the time you're hearing this. Oh, true. 24 Mm -hmm. from the time you guys hear this. But that's not that many. It's not. It's getting there. It'll go quick. The months have been flying at this new job. Yeah. Be honest. Busy, man. That's good. Just totally grinding. I like it. Got to get my my rep up a little bit, you know? Get on the good side. I dig it. And then you get time off. There you go. Hey, I'll be in around 10 today. I'm going to do some turkey hunting beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) 
We'll see if that works out. I'm going to do some turkey killing before I come in. Yeah. And then this last weekend, man, guess what? What happened? We went up the no, camp. No, no, no. Do it again. Guess what? Checking butt. <laughs> <laughs> idiot. This, this past weekend, myself, Joe, Ferletta, and Sam, good old Sam, brought his Wild Edge Steps, and he brought his saddle. I know. I'm like, I'm a jelly donut right yeah. now. Yeah. And if you guys follow us on either Instagram or Facebook, you've seen the pictures of us swinging around in a saddle. But I, you know what is fun and as amazing as the saddle was? Those Wild Edge Steps were incredible. Were they? They were incredible. The learning curve was practically not there for me. That's I mean, awesome. Well, you it was played cool. with them once before. Yes, a so little bit yeah. here with you. Mm-hmm. He has the set of 12. It's called the Running Gun Package. Yep. He has, I believe, two or three eight-foot awesome. ropes, and then the rest are six. Just for those bottom big bases, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And I think we set up in total eight steps. Nice. And I just set them close. I didn't mess with the eighter because I knew everybody would be going up and down them. Right. Using the saddle even as a harness mm-hmm. with the linesman's rope was incredible. That's awesome. There's no pressure on your back or anything. Like when they were messing with the saddle and they had it like a foot off the ground with the platform, mm-hmm. I was using one of Sam's older harnesses. Yeah. And the, the straps were real high, okay. like not down on your hips like mine is, mm-hmm. like the hunter safety systems. They were higher. And I was trying to use that to set up some sticks to practice. Impossible. My back hurt so bad. <laughs> and then I put that saddle on and I was just hanging out. But I got up, I would say after the fourth step, the fifth one might might have taken two tries. After the fifth, the last three, I literally first try, cammed them in place. Rock solid. Rock solid. That's awesome. Rock solid. And it was incredible. We were climbing a maple, which is a softer tree. So, yeah. you know... You know, with the sticks and stuff on a softer tree, there's play. Mm-hmm. Things move and slide. Very, very little. Very minimal. You could fly right up and down the tree. They were they were using the rope, and they were just kind of throwing it up high yeah. and just using the, their feet. They weren't even using them as like a stepladder. That's wild. Yeah. It was insane. I can dig that, man. You know, I'm really jealous I didn't get to try it out with you, and I am going to get to try it out eventually. You better. I will. <laughs> and I will. trust me, when you do... You'll be buying a saddle. I don't care how much you like your sticks and your XOP, which I love, my Vanish. That saddle is incredible. And it's weird. We were hanging about a foot off the ground. I'm like, man, I know, but there's a little discomfort here. And, of course, you know, my winter weight's on, so there's a little bit of rub (laughs) on the bridge. (laughs) We haven't got enough hardcore scouting in yet to, like, get rid of the winter weight. (laughs) It's going to take a lot of scouting. I'm with you, kid. (laughs) (laughs) So there was, like, a little rub, and, you know, I'm like, I don't know. There's a little pressure here and there. And then I got up and into the tree, and we were about 15 feet high, maybe. Yeah. Roughly. And I just leaned back, and that's when it was really weird. Because you're, there's nothing over your shoulders. You have to have total confidence in the gear. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yep. So I was like a big baby at first, and then I was just swinging around like a madman all over that tree. had come the end of it. That's awesome. I really like, too, how you can use the Wild Edge step to the side of a platform mm-hmm. or even as your platform. Shout out, Perch. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to the Wild Edge Perch. <laughs> And you can really get a, a good push off that, and, and it's really nice for whenever you're trying to maneuver around the tree or get different angles. Yeah, the steps better than the platform, my 
my opinion, the platform we were using. The okay. steps were better. I can dig that, man. So, and, you know, it was so cool. The only reason that I'm hesitant about trying a saddle is because I know if I try it, I'm going to really, really want one. And I'm oh, gonna you'll buy up, it. I'm going to get one. I know. That's the only reason I don't want to try one right yet. And they're, I mean, they're not <sighs> cheap, but I think about it. Our, our I stands are stand and sticks. Exactly. Our, our stands and sticks are still in high demand. You'll get top price for those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's no reason that you can't sell that stuff. And then take a less hit with the saddle and everything, and then you're done. Yeah, forever. Oh yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, I'm with you. Do it. I'm gonna do it. 100. percent I know. I was on the fence, and I I told you we were messaging Walt back and forth. Yeah, from chasing tells. Yeah, and uh, I was like, man, I I really just needed someone else. I needed to talk someone like Sam into doing it, and then piggyback off of it selfishly. So I could try it before buying it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but he's not—he's not mad about the risk. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's happy no, with he's his happy investment. With it. Now he wants to do spurs. Oh goodness. Well, he's he can't do that on public. I don't he, think he hunts a lot of private. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can know. do that on private, but well, we're getting a little long-winded on this bad boy. Okay. Yeah. This let's is bring on our guest. Let's do it because this is a descendant. From Indiana Jones himself. From Indiana Jones himself, literally, legitimately. We'll pick back up on that after the episode because we didn't cover it, I don't believe, in the recording. True. We talked about it beforehand, but let's get to it. I'm excited about it. Great guest, great guy. Matt and Cindy, Futuray. Before we get into the episode, why don't we hear a quick word from our sponsors. Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment, or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. We're also very excited to announce our new sponsor, Allen and Friends Custom Calls. With turkey season on everyone's mind, now is the time to order your custom-made calls from ANF. They offer V-cuts, combo cuts, and batwing cuts for all of your turkey calling needs. The best part? If you order today with our code WDP, you will pay $5 per call and receive free shipping. Order today on Instagram at ANF underscore custom calls or by email at ANFCustomCalls at gmail.com. All right, guys. So on the phone with us today, we have Matt Future from VIP Veterans Innovative Products and his wife, Cindy, when she chimes in. So what's going on, Matt? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I got co- coerced into pouring my, my <laughs> wife a glass of wine and uh, we've enjoyed a little chat with you guys warming up and it's been quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly did. We actually, we forced it on you. We said, you better go get her some wine or else you're in trouble, man. <laughs> yep, she's over there giving me the two thumbs up. So um, <laughs> she's happy. Good. <laughs> I, I'd have a glass too, like I normally do on a Wednesday night, but I'm a little under the weather. Don't be a puss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cindy with the one-liners tonight. This is gonna be good. This is gonna be real good. <laughs> the wine hasn't even started yet, so uh, once it I starts flowing, we're gonna be good. <laughs> All right, so we have been chatting for a little while here, and we'll probably have to like clip that entire thing and put it into our episode somewhere down the road because that was good stuff. But we typically like to start our podcast off every time just to get to know you a little bit. I, I would imagine not a ton of people may know who you are or where you're from. So if you want to get into your background a little bit of where you're from, where you're at now, and maybe what you did for a living, uh, that'd be great. 
Okay, don't hold it against me. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. But I was born in California and uh, went to the eighth grade out there. And then then we moved to Vermont. And so I call myself a Vermonter and where I met Cindy. When I got out of the Navy, I met Cindy there. She's been stuck with me for 32 years since. (laughs) Uh, We've been together 32 years. We've been married 29. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, they ought to pay me to put up with her shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, man. Dude, go get another bottle of wine. You're yeah. gonna <laughs> just remember, Matt, we're on this side of the microphone. You're on that. So. <laughs> I, know, I just realized I need to run. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing you're mobile. <laughs> <laughs> mobile podcast from the truck. He's going to Mexico. <laughs> You're gonna be have to turn over. You're gonna have to turn over your recordings to the police, and you know to help solve the murder. <laughs> oh, I got you, brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, nah, hey, if you can't laugh and have fun, you won't last 32 years together. No way. That's right. No way. I agree. So I mean, mm. she wakes up, looks at my face, and just starts laughing every morning. <laughs> Perfect. It's gonna last forever. I'm like, fuck, he's still here. <laughs> oh man. That's but, not- yeah, my background is right after high school I just you know, there weren't a lot of options for a, a broke kid coming out of high school unless you just wanted to, you know, work some odd job being an electrician's apprentice or a plumber or something like that. And it didn't interest me. I was interested in electronics and so I the ASVAB tests and did well to go in the military, in the Navy. My dad was retired Navy, and so I had a, an idea what it was all about. My dad's a, he's a war hero. He served in Vietnam and Korea. And uh, so, you know, I knew what I was getting myself into, but it was the education opportunity that really attracted me to it. So I went in for nuclear power and electronics. And that's where I got my high tech education, if you will. And then, seven years active duty in the Navy, and I got to do a lot of hands-on experience, which is great. Book work's great, but man, if you can put your hands to, to work, it's it really hammers home what you've learned to, to be able to apply it. And So seven years of that fun, m- multiple deployments on a ship around the world. It was a good experience for a young guy. Uh, I got out of the Navy in 87 and got a job with the company that made particle accelerators. They're called ion implanters. They're predominantly used in semiconductor manufacturing, you know, integrated circuit design, production, all your cell phones, computers, everything's got a microchip in it that goes through this process to be made. But uh, turned out I had a knack for it. I was pretty good at it. And I worked for that company 11 years and traveled the world doing it. It was, it was got, got to work elbow to elbow with some just brilliant scientists in the industry and in the government, in think tanks, in, you know, R&D labs, and even at MIT, you know, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, there's, there's some smart guys there. Yeah. So anyway, the bow hunting and flinging arrows, that was kind of my, I'd come home and I'd throw arrows downrange because that would kind of cool my brain off and bring me, you know, relax me. And, and then bow hunting was, I mean, I just loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. And so when I started shooting everybody's broadheads, and not being able to recover animals, you know, and then I talked to a couple of the broaded companies and they're all like, 
you know, well, who are you? I'm, like, I'm just one of your customers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, and I can't find my damn animals. And you're telling me this is accurate. And I'm finding that I have to tune my bow to, to the dispersal pattern of your broadhead versus which, which is 12 inches off from a field point at 30 yards, you know, and I'm like, you're saying this and it's doing that. What the heck? That's, it's not me. I was a competitive shooter back then. I traveled the nation for fun. And, you know, I used to have a room full of trophies. I could shoot okay. And when these companies kept telling me, look, if you think you can do any better, well, why, why don't you just go do it yourself? <laughs> they, they, they didn't know they were talking to about the most high-tech redneck they'd ever, they couldn't imagine. <laughs> yeah, joke's on you, huh? <laughs> yeah, so I was like, all right, hold my beer. I got, I got this. <laughs> And then the guillotine was born, and then the atom, and then the radiant. And I did a diamond edition guillotine as well after I did the original guillotine and had some different features and options that customers were asking for. And it's where I debuted, uh, you know, reversible blade technology. And, you know, you could loosen it up, fold it up, put it in any quiver real quickly and easily. And it was safe to handle like my atom brought in. I mean, just a lot of neat design characteristics that nobody else was doing back then. And then, then that led us up to this veteran broadhead. Veteran broadhead is the first in this new category, besides the rating or the atom. But it's it's the one that I'm kind of calling the first to really solve a lot of problems and deliver the lethality results that I was searching for. You know, the improvements to that. So yeah, I'm a high tech guy. I, you know, to most people, they're talking broadheads and they're thinking, "Wow, 400 feet per second. That that's really fast." You know, and I'm thinking. 400 feet per second to me is like ultra super slow motion. I'm used to working with positive ions that we develop in a plasma and accelerating them to over, you know, seven, eight million miles an hour and controlling their precise impact in a crystal lattice structure and stopping them within a certain angstroms of depth within that. And that to me is high tech, you know. It's like this equipment I worked on is... The, the only thing more complicated man has ever designed and built is the space shuttle. And the only reason that that is more complicated than a particle accelerator is because man has to evolve, you know, survive in that environment, mm -hmm. go up into space and then come back alive. Whereas in an ion implanter, we don't have that. We operate it from outside of its shell, but it, it's, it still has every engineering discipline within and on a man. So, <laughs> man, I'm glad you're doing it because. We're seven minutes in. My mind is absolutely blown already. <laughs> All I can think of uh, is like Back to the Future, and I'm like, I wonder if he has space travel yet. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, they got, and it's it's hard to kind of. Well, I don't know. I, I think of it as normal, you know, because oh, yeah. that is normal, and it's, so it's hard to kind of explain to folks. Right, you've been doing you know, it for hey, eleven years, you know. Yeah, we're developing a plasma, and we're extracting. The ions, we're, we're filtering out all the impurities and we, you know, we're accelerating to high velocities in a high vacuum environment. And we have robotics and all this other fancy stuff involved in it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a fascinating machine. And I think that's why I enjoyed it and did it for 11 years. And even after I kind of semi retired at 36 years old, cause I did well, you know, yeah. uh, my phone started ringing. And they were interrupting my damn golf and bass fishing. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I finally got frustrated one day, and and I said, "Look, you know, don't don't call me. You're, I'm on. I was on my bass boat that day fishing, and it was a good morning bite. And they're like, "Look, we need you to fly over here and help us." And I'm like, "Well, that's going to cost you." And they said, "Well, how much?" And I just threw a big ass number out there, and there it go. Okay. 
<laughs> I was like, damn it. And I was like, plus, plus expenses. And they're like, okay, can you be here Monday? I'm like, God dang it. So, Fishing was just getting good, man. <laughs> yeah. So that's how my consultant company started. And my daughter was, how old was Lynn at that time? She was still young. Five or six years old. And, um, so I started a consulting business and I'd work three, four months out of the year, earn enough money to feed my broadhead development and lethality study hobby. Plus, you know, we'd travel all summer long as soon as my daughter got out of school. And, you know, we would do, we're not living extravagantly, but we're living a pretty damn good life. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. I worked just enough to, you know, I really picked and chose what I wanted to do for work and for who. And, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty good life. So I did that for, in fact, I got back from Afghanistan and, and that's the whole thing. My consultant business kind of got me into that environment. I, I did work for, you know, civilian and government entities as a consultant and my name got dropped and I got a call and I ended up, you know, <laughs> 18 months later in Afghanistan. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, the reality is I just, Everybody freaked out, but I, you know, how do you say no when somebody calls you up and says, Hey, these things are crashing. You know, they're, we got our people are at risk and the bad guys are getting away with their stuff. And how do you say no to open do that? Right. So yeah. I said, yes, I went over there and we are a hundred percent mission compliant. We never crashed a single plane and we, we helped our guys and we put the whoopings on the bad guys. Hey, so, there's nothing wrong with that. Hell man. yeah. <laughs> So when I got back, I pretty much decided I didn't want to consult anymore. And I got roped into about, what, three projects in me? It's about three more big projects. And, and then I got burnt out. And I was like, I had, I had trouble reassimilating into the civilian world from that Afghanistan experience. I got nothing to hide and made some stupid decisions. But my wife was like, look, you need to get your, your mind right. Just focus on that broadhead. Just do that. Let's just get that off your to-do list and just see where it goes. And, um, cause we thought about selling the company. People wanted it at, at the time. And she was like, no, let's, let's finish this and see what this will do. And, and I got that veteran done and whew, it, it, everybody was so positive on it that it's like, you know, fresh start, yeah. fresh life, fresh start. Let's open up a new company. We used to be called aerodynamic solutions, right? And, uh, so we decided veteran innovative products, the VIP. This is the, this is the top shelf brought in I've ever invented in my life. It's the best. Okay, it might be my ego talking, but I considered <laughs> it the the best brought it in the world, bar none, based off what? Recovery rates being improved so much. And and it's not a one shot broadhead or two shot broadhead. It's I mean, I just got two different gentlemen called me today. One of them is at nine animals killed with the same veteran brought in. One of them is at ten. And they're trying to kill they're trying to beat each other with the same <laughs> And all they've done is take it apart clean the blood and the dirt out of it, put it back together. They don't even resharpen blades. They don't need to. It's still hair shaving scalpel sharp. And they're after the record, which is 14 animals. And uh, it would be higher, but that gentleman, he's out of Georgia. He retired that broad in when he shot a great big old buck with it. He's like, okay, I'm putting that one on the wall with a buck. And then, <laughs> oh, and That's then he awesome. took number two veteran brought it out of that original package of three that he bought. And he's killed, well, how many, he killed six animals this year with that one, right? Oh, uh, David Roney. Yeah, David Roney in Georgia. And, um. Except you got me. He's already, yeah, I know, babe. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, uh, he's already killed six animals with the second broadhead and it's still going. So yeah, we're, we, we've had some 
you know, that's the same report I get from just the vast majority of people around the nation is, uh, and this thing kills a lot of animals and it's still good to go. That's crazy. And that's actually something I was going to get into later, but you brought it up. So now I'm extra curious about it. So well, you said that they've been shooting the animals, they're cleaning it up and they're not even resharpening the blades and they're just going out and doing it. I yeah. knew that some people were taking it out and they were shooting multiple animals with it. I was thinking about sharpening the blade, but if it's, Don't, how's it staying so sharp? I, okay, here's the thing. I'm going to get two things. I'm going to get a little emotional side of this thing, and then I'm going to give you the engineering side of this thing. Okay. The emotional side of it is I'm pretty proud to call my company Veteran Innovative Products. I served seven years active duty, plus as a civilian, I signed up to put my life on the line and go serve in Afghanistan for a year in combat. No set, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I came back, and I'm working on this broadhead. And it's hard to name a broadhead when you really sit down and think about it. How, how do you name a broadhead? The guillotine, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> the atom, that was pretty much a no-brainer because I've got a nuclear power background, and it looks like the little nuclear power symbol, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, let's call it the atom. The diamond edition guillotine, same thing. It's a diamond-shaped blade. That, that was an easy one to name. The radian was a little bit different. That's a unit of measure, and it goes back to my physics days. You can look that word up in the dictionary. I'll give you a little homework. <laughs> <laughs> so, Radian, R-A-D-I-A-N. Go look at that up. It's it's a pretty clever name, for at least from a, a, a high-tech redneck physicist's mindset anyway. Yeah. But the veteran, that one, oh, dude, I struggled on. What the heck do I call it? And then... The color scheme, because it was just, all my prototypes were just bare, raw, uh, 7075 T6 aluminum, it'll oxidize pretty quick, right? Mm -hmm. We're here in Texas, and then we're killing animals in blood and washing them off, and they oxidize. And uh, I was like, man, I need to anodize these and give it a layer of protection from the weather. And also, it's a marketing thing, right? Because people like a pretty shiny object. And so... That they do. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, my company colors are red, white, and blue. So let's see if I can make my broadhead red, white, and blue. And we, we basically did that kind of silver, white, or silver, blue, and red. So close enough. And I got to looking at that. And are, are you guys military? No, I'm not. My dad is. Most of my family yeah. is. I'm not, though. Your dad will understand this more than you guys can grasp this. But any military guy that's put their line, you know, their name on that line, worn a uniform, especially for the last years that we've been in war. Like Afghanistan, when I got back from that, I didn't really understand it when I was in the Navy because it was under Ronald Reagan and we never were at war. It was the Cold War, right? Mm -hmm. Russia. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, China wasn't even on the horizon back then. So uh, after Afghanistan, though, whoo, it's a whole different mindset. And I couldn't get the name, you know, I couldn't get the faces of the people that I knew that are no longer with us out of my mind. And every day I think of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, you know, for what I saw over there, I just, it's just never out of your mind. It's always in your face. So I got to thinking about that and I was looking at the quality of my broadhead reflects the quality of our nation's intent to do good around the world. And that intent to do good is driven by our military. All right. And our military always tries to do their very best and then that does mean they have laid down their lives in, in throughout history for other countries as well as our own and i i got to thinking man this brought it better reflect that you know and that's why we have this phenomenally high tolerance we only use the very best materials and we do our damnedest to make sure they go out the door every day is the best that we can make them 
Not saying we're perfect because we've had a few machining excursions that made it out the door in one blade hardening issue, but we you know we stand right up in front of God and everybody go, yep, we made some mistakes and we warranty it and all that. But the reality is the quality of that broadhead reflects our pride as veterans. I call it the veteran in honor and respect to all whom have served, both still living and, and not. So that's why we call it the veteran. That's a Amen. super solid answer, yeah. man. <laughs> Amen, and thank you for your service, yeah, as absolutely. always. absolutely. Thank you for your service. And anyone it. listening, thank you for their service. Uh, you know, we have a lot of good, close friends that have done the same time over there, and I can relate to what you're saying in a, in a very personal way. So, Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I was 50. I turned 51 when I was over there. I, I, they called me the professor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a madman. I love it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was it was fun. You know, interacting with the younger generation, they were bright, they were energetic, they were patriotic, and they they knew their craft, and they worked hard every day to do the right thing. And, uh, and then, and then you throw into it again. They were young, they were college age, they were in the prime of their lives. So you know, there was a whole lot of jacking around going on, college <laughs> style. <laughs> yeah. So it was. You know, it was it was all the stuff you do over there to just make every day the best day you can, and, um, and then hope you see the next day, right? So yeah, that was good experience. At fifty one years old, I come back and man, it just makes you reflect on how fragile life really is and all that kind of stuff. So I just made a post on my Facebook the other day about me in a caribou hunt, and and uh, man, that was like ten, eleven, twelve years ago or something, and um. I was sitting there reflecting on that photograph, and I posted up going, man, if you guys even think about wanting to go do this, go do it, because you're just not promised tomorrow, you know? Yeah, no, I can agree with that. And Was that the hunt that was right before your elk hunt? Uh, Yeah, yeah, actually it was. I was listening to a podcast, and uh, I heard about your article, My Amigo, and I, I read that article, and it was a really, really cool story, man. I really enjoyed reading that and listening to the story. And Yeah, I've heard it on multiple episodes that you've been on, and... Yeah. That 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 is one hell of a story in an article, and we just uh, we don't have to get into the details of it. But uh, I want to let all the listeners out there know you need to look up the My Amigo article. It is unbelievable. Yep, the story yeah. about you and Gerald Ortega. Yeah, type in My Amigo Peterson's bow hunting, and it'll bring it up. Yeah, you guys got me choked up here. You know? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's man. the wine talking. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you a little inside scoop that uh, I've tried not to really publish it, but I'm just, last week especially was, I'm going through testing right now. They're trying to determine if I have cancer now or not. So, oh, no. Jeez. Yeah, I, I'm in pain. I got a problem in me, and they're trying to figure it out. I got another big test coming up uh, next week. Then I'll finally find out when all these tests are compiled what, what's going on, that something's wrong with me. But I got you know, all the bad news about the VA and all this stuff. Man, I'm telling you, God bless the VA because they have treated me like I'm the only one that visits that hospital. Yeah. And, uh, they're, trying to, they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, well. Best of luck to you, man. Yeah, I'm rooting for you, man. And I'll, I'll say a couple prayers for you. Absolutely. And I appreciate it. I, I'm a big fan of prayer. I'm, I'm a firm believer in the Fucking Yeah, did you hear my wife? Did you hear what she said? I, did, I didn't hear what she said. <laughs> I got a good idea. <laughs> you might have to beat that one because she dropped the F-bomb, but she says I'm too bleeping ornery to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh man, that is great. I love Cindy. <laughs> I, I don't know what I, I wouldn't be here without her. I can, I'll honestly tell you that is I'm still alive because of her. That's a God's honest truth. Actually, how many years ago? Three years ago, Cindy? Two years ago. The, the no. turkey hunt. Three years ago. Three years ago, all right, with the Gobbler Guillotine, we worked our butts off of this Broadhead business. Yeah, it was three years ago. It was the first year we opened up the, the VIP company. And um, we had worked so many hours, seven days a week, we realized, man, we, we didn't get to turkey hunt. And, uh, and so Cindy and I were at the ranch, and we were like, screw it. She's a fanatical turkey hunter. She's with her little crossbow. She has slain thousands of freaking birds. It's all she'd like to do is just hunt turkey <laughs> the rest of her life. I love it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're going to go get her a couple of turkeys. And she shot a, a double bearded gobbler, Cindy. Yeah. And she, then she killed a, a hen that had a seven inch beard on it. So, what an animal. Oh, she's competing so, with Charles. Yeah, I know. I got to go measure my, be- my uh, hen beard now. It's close. Yeah. It's got to be close. Yeah, so she ended up whacking my taxidermy bill pretty good. <laughs> As a thank you to me for getting them full body mounted, she was like, okay, it's your turn to hunt. Because I just film, right? That's all I ever do, mainly. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to lop the head off the turkey because I haven't lopped the head off one since the year before. And turns out Easter Sunday, right, Cindy? Yep. Last day of turkey season here in Texas. And I finally get to go hunting. And uh, so we'd set up the ground blind the night before an area on the ranch that we knew turkeys just crossed through normally throughout the day, you know, and uh, it's kind of an ambush setup. You can call them in there and have them hang around. But so I, you know, it's Texas, it's springtime, it's hot. So I'm in a t-shirt, shorts and flip flops. And we got a electric, a golf cart, you know, <laughs> jacked up golf cart, club cars, <laughs> quiet, just our buggy. And we sneak in there and, we walked 50 yards into the blind carrying bowls and broadheads and all this and, and camera equipment and tripods. And so you make a couple of trips to, to load the blind up, right? Well, I put the broadheads together the night before. Normally I, un- I take the blades out of the guillotine and put them in a pill bottle, put them in my pocket or fanny pack and then just screw the head down tight like a field point on my arrows. And then that's how I transport them, right? Safety first. Well, I was so excited the night before I left them assembled in the side of my bow bag, and I forgot to take the blades out. Oh, no. So I ended up setting my bow bag in the ground blind on the ground, and then I went to get more, I get the camera equipment. So I got a tripod and a camera in my hand, and I went to step into the the bow blind, and I I need surgery on my right foot. I had a motorcycle crash after I got back from Afghanistan and crushed my right foot and broke my leg in two places. And so my ankle gave way when I stepped in, and I went to catch myself, and I ended up soccer ball kicking a guillotine. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> with flip-flops on. And it cut me from the top of my toes all the way up to the, the top of my ankle. Laced me wide open and cut the main you know, artery in there, and blood was squirting four and five feet every time my heart beat. Oh, oh man, I bet you wish you didn't make him so sharp now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so... Yeah. I told Cindy, I said, Cindy, we got a big problem. I need your help. And she never hears that from me. And she came around and just saw blood everywhere. And I've got my hand clamping around my, above my ankle, trying to stop the flow of blood. And right. we, we had just set up a game camera there. And I'm going to give, I'm not sponsored by these people. I always pay for my own stuff, but Browning trail cameras, we had one there. She goes over, pulls that thing down. Cause that's the one day I forgot to put my belt on. And, you know, I didn't have a tourniquet. And so she pulled that strap off that game camera 
and it was a one-inch web belt with a steel buckle. Thank oh. God they didn't go cheap on their strap for their camera because yeah. that's what saved my life. Cindy grabbed that, pulled it off, gave it to me, and I made a tourniquet out of it like I was in combat, you know. Oh, man. And, and she drove the buggy up to me. I hobbled in. We got up to my truck. I got in, and it was all I could do to keep the tourniquet tight enough to stop it from flowing blood. And we got about two-thirds of the way there. Cindy's driving a one-ton Dodge Dually. Now picture this. My wife is four foot ten and a half on a I'm good 11. on a good. Bobby, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's a little, you know, she's a she's a half inch shy of being called a legal dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, dynamite comes in small packages. Anyway, oh. so. About half, uh, about half to two thirds of the way to the emergency, the nearest emergency room, I started blacking out from loss of blood, and I I knew I wasn't thinking quite clear enough because everything was going fuzzy, and every time I started to fade out, uh, I could see blood just start shooting out of my foot, and um, and it was to the point where I told her, Cindy, do not stop the truck if you see me pass out and blood going everywhere. You have to keep getting me to the hospital. They'll bring me back to life. Because if you stop, I'm going to bleed out and I'll be dead. And um, and so she got me there. About the time I blacked out, she pulled in emergency. And they got me into the hospital. And they put, put a better tourniquet on me, didn't they? Yep. And, um, and then they pumped me all kinds full of blood and fluids. And, and they said it was... They couldn't do anything. Because it's in Hondo, Texas. It's a little, you know, a little tiny podunk hospital type of thing and they immediately threw me in a after stabilizing me they threw me in a ambulance and whisked me to emergency surgery in san antonio at a big hospital and it was four and a half hours of surgery but she she literally saved my life that day so you literally wouldn't be here without her see that's what i said yeah yeah and and now i gotta give credit here that was swift quick thinking grabbing that strap off the trail camera a lot of people in that situation would panic and not think right cindy a plus for effort on that one absolutely man that's amazing (laughs) you got her a bottle of wine before the podcast but i think you might have to get her a winery now (laughs) <laughs> oh, dude, I bought enough wine. I should own one by now. <laughs> that midget comment's going to cost you on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man. <laughs> Get them, Cindy. Get them. So you, you touched on a couple good stories there, and it, it led me to thinking about another story I heard you tell one time that kind of leads into the My Amigo article, and it was when you were hunting – and our great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and you got <laughs> shot at. <laughs> yeah, you never I really mean, got into too much detail on that story. I'd like to hear it. You mean Poacher Central, huh? That <laughs> Poacher Central. Oh, ouch! Hey, Shots I fired. Was, I, I honestly, I forget the name of the two different gentlemen that invited me up there. And I, because I was going to go to Pennsylvania and hunt with one, and then it, coincidentally another gentleman said, hey, if you're coming to Pennsylvania when you're done with that hunt, swing over here and spend a few days with me. I got private land and we've got a lot of birds and I can't wait to see that guillotine launched and all this fun. I'm like, sure, you know. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because then I had planned on going up to Vermont to hunt with my family up on our farms up there, family farms and whatnot. And and so 
I was like, okay, uh, let's lock it in. And so the first hunt I went there and in Pennsylvania, it was in, that was in Western Pennsylvania. That's where I, we're at. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Where were you at exactly? Do you remember what well, county? Yeah. What was your last name again? <laughs> <laughs> That's for me to know and you to find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's Smith. <laughs> I think his son's name was Austin or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coincidence. Anyway, totally coincidence. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we hunted up like two days. Or no, it was the second day. And we're on private property, posted private property, bunch of acreage. And next thing you know, we're, you know, boom, boom, boom. And next thing you know, wow, boom. I mean, <laughs> we got a bird coming in. And next thing you know, that bird is flopping on the ground boom boom and it's like what the hell bb's flying everywhere and and i and man that landowner was pissed oh and, man and um anyway they went and grabbed the bird and ran off we couldn't catch him right and i was like you know i'm done i i don't need to be on a piece of property where i'm getting shot at and so i left and you know the guy was nice enough as well but by then his whole focus was not turkey hunting anymore it was finding out who was poaching on his land and shooting at us oh yeah yeah and i did that so i left next thing you know i go all the way to the other side of the state or near you know about two-thirds across the state on the eastern side and i set up to hunt with this guy hell it was a first freaking morning you know we're in there before dark and you can hear turkeys and they're over there on a roost just over this knob and and luckily, we were sitting just slightly downhill from the peak of the the land, and then it broke down off on the other side away from us. Well, I guess between our calling and the turkeys in the tree, the poachers came up opposite us, and when the turkeys came out in between us, boom! Man, them pellets went right over our heads. I oh mean, man! You know, and that guy, he was shooting them shotgun shells like he stole them and didn't want to get caught with them. And that was enough for me. I was like, I'm done with this state. Two setups, <laughs> two, two near-death experiences Jeez. with people I don't even know. I've never been on these properties before. And I called my wife and I said, that's it. I'm not hunting strangers anymore. After <laughs> <laughs> experiences up, like that, I can't blame you. Jane Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, and then I went up to Vermont and had a great hunt with my family. I didn't get a turkey in Vermont that year, which is really unusual because there's a lot of birds up there. I mean, it, we got rained out. Solid seven days of nothing but Noah's flood rain. So I, I went back to Texas and told Cindy, I'm done. Unless it's just us traveling for ourselves, I'm not doing that with stranger stuff anymore. And, <laughs> and then that, that of course, uh, what, two, three years later, that in the Gerald, right? Gerald mm-hmm. Ortega's not. So, I mean, you guys yep. know that story. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah. Well, if you ever decide to come to Pennsylvania, <laughs> I know a guy named Austin that'll take you turkey hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. that goes our invite right out the window, huh? <laughs> Yeah, Cindy is a turkey hunting fanatic. She'll come up. Hey, Hell Cindy, yeah. I got a, I got a couple birds you can shoot, man. I promise you won't get shot at, and if they do, I'll shoot back. <laughs> you'll, you'll be cleaning up sloppy seconds because she'll shoot first. <laughs> oh, by all means. <laughs> she doesn't. She shoots crossbows. Is that legal up there? Oh yeah. Yes, it is. Oh yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, no, man. that's that is. I, I, I can't even like fat. I'm no. Trust me, I can understand it because I know our state and I know how bad it is. And it was only worse than it is now. 
and people don't i don't think people grasp when we tell when we talk about like public land is pressured private land is public and it's all pressured and it doesn't matter yeah people could care less if it's posted or not which which is kind of a it's kind of a raw deal honestly they're trying to actually put legislation into stiffen the trespassing laws which i'm all for but absolutely i got my vote Texas, we don't have that problem hardly at all. You know why? Because you can just shoot them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No you, you come on private property, you have no business being there. You're just going to get fed to the hogs. Oh, man. That's right. And you guys got enough of them. Yeah, you, your bones will get crunched up and shit out all over the countryside. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people out there listening, don't trespass on Matt's property. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Oh man! I was gonna make a joke about the hog log, but I could only yeah. imagine <laughs> turn a person into a hog log. I was gonna say you're gonna be finding people's teeth in the bottom of your hog logs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole size is on them to feed that corn out. We'll feed the tooth out, no problem. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah, we got a lot of pigs down here, and that's that's the number one animal in North America that I actually prefer to develop broadheads on the not necessarily the 200 pound and smaller ones which you know the or the sows especially they're they're easy to kill like a deer they're just easy to kill you can kill a bunch of them no problem with anything if you find them boar hogs that are 300 i mean truly wild russian strain boar hogs got that thick shoulder plate on them they're tanks i mean they're mm-hmm. they're the toughest thing walking north america to kill with a bow and arrow so when i test all other competitors' broadheads or my own prototypes. That's why the hog log is there now because that was the one mechanism I had to pull that big boar out of the woods consistently and put him exactly where I wanted him at 20, 25 yards. And I could take that same shot over and over and over on, on a big old boar and the test going right through all that bad, bad body juju to see how a broadhead performed. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure many people are thanking you for coming out with all that stuff because. I mean, it's not even just Texas. It's all across the South, and they're working their way up. The pig problem is just out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, I was just making – we're out of inventory. we got one left in inventory, but um, we're making hog logs today, and uh, we're sold out. But hey, you know, soon we're, we were told we were going to be in Walmart this year with them, so that's a pretty big, pretty good thing yeah, to have the hog logs in Walmart. Huge news. Yeah, man, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just a no-brainer product. Now, the, the veterans in Walmart right now as well, is that correct? Well, last year we were last in year. like 1,500 stores, and then we had a fulfillment problem. They packaged them up wrong, and they boxed them up wrong, and so the distribution got screwed up. And so this year, as a penalty, we're, we're still in Walmart, but it's less than 100 stores across okay. the nation. It's kind of a don't-do-that-again penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that's the Small business ownership, right? Hell yeah. Yep. Hell yeah, yeah, man. You live and you learn, and you'll get back oh, on yeah. top with it. We will. We will. I oh, mean, yeah. we're, we're going to do everything we need to do. But, I mean, the, the, the reality is the broadhead is phenomenally popular and growing throughout the world. I mean, we're talking to folks in Australia, New Zealand, and as far as big retail stores and distributors, and they all want it. So Hey, that, that's good news, man. It's good to be busy. Heck yeah. Oh. Before yes. we dive in on the veteran, why don't you, uh, can you go over any other new products you guys have in the making or you're looking to bring to market? Anything that you can announce? Uh, pretty much top secret and I'd have to kill you if I. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, uh, let me hear it. <laughs> no, we, oh, the 
veteran broadhead is there, and I'm, I'm always getting requests for a heavier weight one. So we mm-hmm. did debut just a month or so ago the brand new 175 grain all steel veteran broadhead. 175, holy cow! Yeah, and we there's a lot of broadheads out there. Oh, we're solid steel, blah blah. Yeah, okay, it's it's cheap, 420 or 320 stainless, you know, and it bends at the slightest impact with anything and it dulls it doesn't have good edge retention i don't play that game i'm about the highest quality product as a priority performance and quality is the priority not profits everybody else has flipped the script on that they're all about asian made for profit i get that that's good business and and we'd probably be better off in our business cycle if we use that same thought but again i'm going to go back to what did i name the broadhead the right. veteran and so our our steel broadhead is not this cheap ass metals you know it's it's the highest quality 440c surgical steel you can buy it's extremely expensive and extremely expensive and hard to machine and so i didn't care i was like that's the material get it done and so yeah the broadheads are very expensive at the 175 grain but you get what you pay for. Yeah, there's Hell something yeah. to be said for that, honestly. Quality over quantity all day. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then we went ahead, and we've got so many people requesting, I want to practice broadhead in there. I want to practice broadhead in every package. Well, I can't afford to do that. They're already very expensive broadheads made in America. You know, we don't have that good a profit margin on compared to all these other companies that are Asian-made and and there's a lot of companies that say, oh, we're made in America. Well, they're, everything's made in Asia, shipped here, packaged here to get around that made in America thing. So we don't play that. I mean, we're machined right here in Fredericksburg. We're anodized in Houston. We're assembled and packaged here in Fredericksburg. And we're truly American made. Oh, so, <laughs> hell yeah. Just like our veterans. Truly American made, man. I love yep. it. That's what you guys do. in battle. We're going to kick some butt. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anyway, the the steel, the, the 175 grain steel broadhead is, is really good. And with so many people asking for practice broadheads, and we're telling them, look, it is field point accurate. That's your practice broadhead is your 100 grain field point. Or in this case, the 175 grain field point. And they're like, we want to practice one. I'm like, okay. So I met with my machinist and said, can you do the tip geometry of our veteran broadhead on a field point, make me a field point that's got that tip geometry, just like our veteran. And he was like, well, well, let me run some and we'll see. So we made a 100 grain and we made a 175 grain VIP practice point. And so now we are in the process of redoing our packaging for the 100 grain broadhead. I will be adding one of these VIP practice points and 100 grain in every package. That's awesome. There you go. With the 75 grain right now because they're so expensive for single broadhead i am putting a 175 grain vip package point with each 175 grain veteran broadhead purchase so hey you know what like you're listening to your customers they're asking for it you're giving it to them you know there's something to be said for that that's exactly that's why i developed the radiant you know that's why i developed kept going and developed the veteran and that's why i'm now working on Three-bladed veteran technology and four-bladed veteran technology. It's um. So we get the turkey calls. Yeah, we also now have a line of turkey calls. We're going to have a complete line of VIP game calls. We've got the first dual-sided glass over slate pot call, and uh, we started selling those what three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then we've got 
also a set of three diaphragm, diaphragm mouth calls for turkeys. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the we're in the call business now as well. That is awesome. And you know what? I got a big old smile on my face right now. Because yeah, I have been looking for a new glass call, man. <laughs> and now I'm like, I might get a VIP veteran one. Yeah. So we'll um being being that you're from the you know, the, the Yankee land of poachers, I'll try to get a couple Oh man. Damn it, Austin, your dad couldn't have stayed home to, <laughs> went to work that day. <laughs> Yeah, we've got some, and about time we get them in stock, they get sold. So uh, yeah, no, we'll give you the VIP family discount. We'll, we'll we'll thank you for giving us a little bit of air time. That's, what's that's up. awesome. That's awesome. And you know what? I'll pay full price for that. I don't I don't really mind. I was looking to get a new new pod call anyway. So normally they're going to be eighty bucks, but we're just charging fifty just to get them out there. You know, that's how business is done. You just got to get them out there. People that are putting a scratch to them boy they really like the pureness of the sound it is a patent pending call i mean it's a unique design and fellow yeah. veteran is making them for us and so we're and there's two different folks they're both veterans that are making our call so we're we're putting people to work you know that is awesome Absolutely. part of making part of making america great again by keeping americans employed hell yes. yeah keeping veterans employed man yep. <laughs> better yet better yet that's right. That's and, right. And that's a Yankee? Yeah, see, Cindy's going to let. We spoke earlier. I was honest. We're from Vermont originally. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're south to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good yeah. thing Cindy's there to keep you in line because I ask you about these great new things and you, you know, you totally forget about your turkey calls. You know, good thing yeah. Cindy's around. Yeah, we've got a, you know, I am working on a few things like a quiver for veterans because people have trouble quivering them to cover up the blades completely. Broads have evolved to be very short and narrow, right? Right. Because of the planing if issues. And, and the quiver hoods have shrunk as well because that's more profits for the quiver company, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, to eliminators on them. Yeah, so, uh, we're gonna, you know, I'm talking to a couple different quiver companies about making a VIP quiver. That would be awesome. So we're we're growing. We're looking at a. Everybody's asking for hats and t-shirts and sweatshirts and jackets and all that with a VIP logo on it and all that. And we got to looking at all that. And everybody does, you know, just cheap stuff with a logo on it. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want that. So let's do a little homework. And we found a company that makes a very well globally respected line of hunting clothing. And so we're working with them right now and getting some samples and so when somebody buys a shirt from us or a jacket or something it's actually great to wear the logo around town if you want whatever but it's practical proven hunting clothing as well so we're working on that too that's awesome cool yeah nothing but high quality and it'll be it'll be uh comparable to any of the highest tech materials that are out there Awesome. Yeah, I can dig that. <laughs> I was going to say, otherwise, yeah. you just send them to us and we'll just fill them up with some Whitetail Distraction podcast hats. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, I don't know how many hats we got left. We don't have many hats left. Either. We're still going to have hats like that. Yeah, we're, we're going to get more hats. But... <laughs> we'll have to send both of you guys down a couple of hats. Heck yeah. Yeah. We'll get you guys repping the Whitetail Distraction podcast. <laughs> yeah. Then you're going to get Cody and Ryan to shoot shooting us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. We'll run it by them first. <laughs> we'll shoot Cody and Homie. <laughs> They're going to hear that. 
Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Man. They called me old. Oh. They called you old? <laughs> See, we're definitely favorites. We've been sucking up to her all night. You listen here, young lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Couple of damn northern suck asses. That's <laughs> <laughs> my own heart. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. We just know how the game goes, okay? We just know how it just- works. Well, she's the one that does the book, so uh, you guys just probably got a, a bigger discount. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. What does a hug get me, Cindy? <laughs> I think You'll I could... just have to wait and see. There we go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I take care of everybody. Oh, awesome. Yep. You're the best. Yeah. You're the best. Oh, man. So what about, well, since we got you both uh, reacting a little bit here, um, why don't we get into some hunting stories from last year. You guys got any really good hunting stories between the two of you over the last year or two? We didn't get to hunt last year. No. Yeah, last what? We didn't, yeah, we didn't get to hunt at all. We worked. Oh, oh. man. That's not how your season's supposed to go, man. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, we we lost our... We had a... We lost our we leased a, last year. I'll stop that. We we had a pretty tough year last year, and um, we lost a lease for... We had for about 20 years. It changed the ownership, you know, changed hands. Oh, yeah. So that was done. It happens. No big deal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we were just focused on this business, and we ran into some small business challenges that were completely unexpected, and we we, we nearly lost everything. Oh, no. Yikes. So we, were, we just worked really hard and overcome the obstacles like anybody else would do in a small business, and, and here we are today, and we're, we're now we're kind of starting over again. We pretty much work seven days a week, and yep. you have to do that when you're a small business, just to you know keep the doors open. And sure, sure. So one of us at at least works, you know, seven days a week, and we do a little bit every day of the week. To it's like Wednesdays. This is our our nights that we normally we we will shut down about six o'clock, maybe seven o'clock, and then we'll put our little cheese and pepperoni and cracker plate together mm-hmm. pop the cork on a bottle of wine and listen to whitetail legacy podcast and um or nice. do a podcast or now like this we're that's gonna right that. we're gonna do a podcast so. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay man yeah that's great so it's kind of our midweek take a break you know for a few hours and then tomorrow we'll get up early and just keep hammering away and you know, we work weekends are made for catching up on all the stuff you didn't get done during the week yep yep <laughs> Well, if you two aren't just a a couple people that someone listening to this can't support and go out there and buy some VIP products, man, they got something missing inside of them because uh, <laughs> you two are awesome. You're great people. You really do have some great products, and you know I can't wait to get my hands on some of them this upcoming year for sure. Yep. Well, just give us a phone call and. Um well, I'm sure Cindy's going to give you two a <laughs> hell of a break. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we did get her wine. I mean. <laughs> no, that's now, awesome. We look forward to hearing, you know, folks, we, we really enjoy people that call us up. They ask a bazillion questions and, and then they, they buy some. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then we don't hear from them, right? We just don't hear anything from them for months. And all of a sudden. I'll get a ping, I'm like, I'll get a text, and it's a picture of somebody that I don't recognize, right? And it's just a phone number. I don't recognize the phone number. And next thing you know, hey, I talked to you on such, you know, months ago, and your broadhead showed up, and yeah, they were accurate. And this is 
I went hunting and man, you were right. Look what this thing did. Awesome. Thank you. You know, those are, those are. Or just last week it was like, uh, just someone said, thank you for making such a great product and then sent his picture. You know, yeah. little things like that. That's awesome. Get That's awesome. That's super rewarding though too. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I mean, people, I can tell you this. People are tired of marketing celebrity driven BS, right? <laughs> yeah, there's still this fanatics out there that are phenomenally brand loyal. And I appreciate that because that's what I want for my company, right? For our company. Yeah. I love that brand loyalty. And we work really hard to deliver a product that earns that, right? Doesn't just buy it through celebrity hype and Mm -hmm. works most of the time kind of stuff. We want to earn through consistency of performance, consistency of durability and reusability. And um, just break the mold of how its broadheads have evolved and, and been sold for the last 50 years. And so far, so good. Can we do better? Yep. My God, we get up and work every day to, to do even better because we never stop learning. Well, you always got to strive to do better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. I'm sure you're just going to keep on innovating. You're going to keep on coming out with products and it's going to keep kicking ass, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I've tried not to do any more consulting. Because it's distracting from our broadhead business, which is for the first time in, you know, this VIP business, we decided to do this full time. Whereas the other business with the guillotine and all that was part time for fun as a hobby business, right? We didn't do it full time. And um, I but, did it full time when you were an Afghanistan. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she was holding down the fort. <laughs> yeah. I, Somebody had to. I ended up taking on one more consulting engineering project for an acquaintance that called me up and asked if I could look at something for them and figure out a solution. And they, they had other people try and nobody could figure it out. And wouldn't you know it, this old redneck figured it out. And, um, <laughs> so I'm doing a patent write up right now, but our prototypes work good. And so anyway, I solved their problem. And once I get this done and patent submitted, then, then I'm going to be back to my VIP focus and the three and four blade broadheads will be done you know prototypes will be made by june at the latest probably and we'll start killing stuff with them that's awesome well if you need somebody to uh (laughs) test one out for you i'm willing (laughs) well that line you can get in that line and it starts somewhere about you and rainy and he's an australian down there in australia somewhere that's where the line ends (laughs) (laughs) so there's a bunch of people want to Test my prototypes. I bet. But there's only a select few that will actually see them before they go public. Oh, yeah. No, I totally get that. Oh, I'm at the top of the line, Mr. Man. (laughs) (laughs) You tell them. And if it doesn't fit on a crossbow, then it does not go out into public. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, speaking of the broadhead, I want to get into the nitty-gritty about this thing because... I know Charles talked to you before, and he blew my mind a little bit just from, like, the hearsay. So, I want to get into, like, the nitty-nitty-gritty. I want to hear everything about it. We got a bunch of questions for you. and Fire away. I want my brain to hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to... Are you, are you are you ready to talk plasma? Hell yeah. <laughs> you know me, man. All about that plasma. <laughs> All right. What do you want to know? Fire away. What's your, what's your question? Well, probably... 
first and foremost, to make it clear, we're we're speaking about the veteran the broadhead. Veteran. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got you. This, this is uh, this is one broadhead that caught my attention from listening to Whitetail Legacy podcast that they would always bring it up and they were always talking about it. And you weren't even a sponsor of theirs, and they were you know really talking it up. And then I got to hear more about what you had to say about it, and man, it just started to blow my mind. But I think some of the concerns yes, from maybe an outside source looking at this. Everybody wants to look at a label and wants to look at the wording on the label. So, and I've mentioned this to you before, but we'll do it on air. You're looking at a broadhead. It's it's a inch and a quarter cut length width, sorry, cut width, yep. fixed. And then it expands when fully open to a two and a half inch. Well, uh, it, it'll right? cut up to two and a half inch in soft tissue vitals for the most part. If you average it out, it's somewhere between two and two and a quarter mm-hmm. on average in, in the soft tissue vitals. That's, you know, the difference in lethality studies between two and a quarter inches and two and a half, it's, you can't tell the difference. Right. There's no, there's no more added or any less benefit to cutting wider than two and a quarter inches in the, in any animal of any size. Right, and you mentioned that was in the soft tissue. So the design Correct. of yours, what's beautiful about it is you have that wonderful tip on there, which is going to be bone breaching if necessary. It's going to blow yeah. right through bone, and then you have that inch and a quarter fixed blade, so you're getting a cut on impact right away, and then it's opening up and expanding through that soft tissue, all the goods. Well, you're that's... going, actually, I'm going to slow you down and back okay. you up. A yes, bit. you <laughs> explain it because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just trying <laughs> Yeah, let's talk tip geometry, number one. Yes, you nailed it. It is very precisely engineered for breaching bone in a manner that even Dr. Ed Ashby couldn't imagine is more efficient and effective than single bevel, right? We don't waste, I don't waste any energy. So the tip, if you notice, comes to a needle point, almost a needle point. Uh, but very quickly, it radiates out to have a lot of metal mass underneath that point to s- give it structural integrity. So it, it's pretty hard to tip it over like an elf toe, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't do that on an animal ever. It just maintains its perfect form. But back up from bone even is the most critical aspect of you got to be accurate to hit the animal, right? Mm-hmm. So how yes. do I get my field point accuracy? It's also that tip geometry allows me to control the flow of air at the molecular level to make the air go chaotic and unorganized in what I call a cone of chaos. So uh, radiating backwards from the tip towards the back of the broad end, the cone of chaos is wide enough and consistently unorganized air. So by the time it passes over my blades, which are airplane wings at those velocities, there's it can't create lift. There's no difference of pressure induced. So no lift is created. Therefore, I maintain complete field point accuracy, regardless of the speed you shoot me to. So it's <laughs> it's uh, it's it is what it is. Now, now let's talk about striking the animal. My tip starts to penetrate like a mini four blade broadhead because it is a sharp, fluted titanium tip, and so I cut on contact with that. But then, if you notice, I'm a straight walled body from the tip to the front of the blades for about a half an inch before I do anything with the blades, right? Why, why would I do that? It's because, number one, again, we're, we're focused on breaching bone, but also at impact, you can have problems on shot angles on animals. It's best to take a quartering away shot, right? That's kind of the ultimate best shot angle or broadside. 
and everybody's, oh, you should never take a frontal or cording towards shot or, you know, anything like that. And I'm kind of like, well, that's bullshit. That's just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, that's just because of the inherent lack of penetrating capability the broadheads are using or their lack of awareness of anatomy of an animal or combination of both of those things. So I wanted to make sure my broadhead could be shot at an angle at pretty much any angle. didn't matter. And I was not going to deflect or skip off, if you follow what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So that tip geometry cuts its way in. And that distance between the point of the tip and where it just starts to make contact with the front of my blades, I call that the rudder, like a boat, right? Yeah. If you have your rudder on a boat going straight, you can take your hand off the tiller and that boat goes straight. But as soon as you just bump that tiller a little bit, that rudder moves and it immediately snaps the nose of your boat into another direction, right? If y'all experienced that? Yes, I have, yeah. personally. Well, that's, that's If you snap it over too far, you're thrown out of the boat the other direction, right? <laughs> Damn near. <laughs> that's exactly the same laws of physics mechanics that happen with an arrow at impact with any animal. It happens that fast. And so by slowing down what's going on in a millisecond by millisecond frame rate to see slices of what's happening during this interaction with animals of any broadhead you i came to realize that man that's a rudder so why don't i set my rudder direction travel into the animal then start doing what i need to do and so that's one of the key reasons why i left it so long in front of the blade then like you said then you interact with my blade now, now the blade if you read anybody's lethality studies that claim to be an expert on broadheads, they'll tell you, oh, you got to have a broadhead. The, the cutting edge is gradual. It's a, it's a wedge, right, from skinny to wide, and it has to cut continuously. Well, I could have made the holes in my blades so that that cutting edge was even with the sides of my body, right? But it's not. Why, well, why wouldn't I do that? It's more efficient, right? Nope, because I'm still back in that bone breaching bone clearance thought so the front of my blades is actually engineered like a snowplow a v snowplow and you guys know that being up there in yankee land <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we don't have snow but up here yeah when's the last time you've seen snow <laughs> yeah yeah snow is a four-letter word son so, <laughs> so i don't go there um, anyway so the, the, the front of my blades is engineered to actually act like the V snowplow. So the faster our arrow goes through, the farther it splits or sends those bone chips that have already been split and shattered by the tip. It sends them away from my cutting edges of my blades. I don't want to go through bone and have it maybe dull my, my broad end. So uh, let's throw that bone out of our way and get the broad end through it with the least impact possible. And so that's what it does. Then, of course, is my cutting edges on those blades. And then I, I start doing the deadly work, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I get past the bone, typically then blades open wide open in the soft tissue vitals and do their damage. And then I get out the same efficient fashion. That's where I want my bigger hole. And, you know, going in, I'm only an inch and a quarter, maybe. I don't think we've ever measured a entrance hole more than an inch and a half. Because all these other broadhead companies have it backwards. They all want to cut a great big hole going in. Well, if you break your arm and your leg at the same time, are, are you going to die? No. Neither is an animal. 
And so it, it doesn't make sense to add resistance to forward momentum, right? Because uh, the goal is to go completely through the animal. So if you're engaging more bones with a wider cut brought in, it's counter, it, it's defeating what you're trying to accomplish. It prevents penetration. It tremendously amplifies the fact you are going to deflect because, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So rarely does both of your blades strike the same value of pressure on one bone on one side of the broad end as there is on another side of the broad end. And uh, as a result, you're going to push the broad end. It's going to turn and go a different direction. Well, that deceleration value of wasted forward momentum now turned to a lateral direction or a, a different direction. But the way I explain how that how large a value that is, is like a quarter mile dragster. As soon as their wheels cross the finish line, they pop that chute, right? To slow them down. Yeah. That's the same deceleration rate that a broaded experiences when they deflect. Same thing. It's massive deceleration. So you combine the fact you already use more energy to open the blades on a mechanical and get them to start working. Now you add the deflection value. That's why it's not recommended that women and kids with low poundage bows shoot mechanicals because you have all this waste of forward momentum being translated to some other direction of energy. It's a waste of energy. Whereas the veteran, we're already open. We're already cutting at contact. We're already straight line penetrating, minimizing deflecting just off the tip geometry and, and that first half inch of our broadhead. And then we have a better length to width ratio as far as how long our broad it is compared to the width of our blade. So the mechanical efficiency of our design is up there with a, a really good traditional design. So that's why women and kids, even down to 35 pounds, can shoot the veteran broad it with most, you know, extreme confidence that they're going to go right through their animals. And, and, and it's been proven to do that. So you're answering questions before I even ask them, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to put 29 years of lethality study and design into this broadhead into a simple podcast. It's it's really rocket mm -hmm. science. You know, it's not as easy or there's a lot of podcasts and there's a lot of, you know, uh, social media discussion on broadheads and there's a lot of parroting of lethality study stuff. And the reality is people talk and they truly don't know what they're talking about. So when somebody like me comes along and says, no, it's not quite right. You know, they get all offended and they, they get their, you know, they get their panties in a wad and get all angry <laughs> at me. Like, okay, I don't have time to talk to people that aren't willing to learn. And, you know, oh, sh show me this, prove me that. And I'm like, well, I've been doing it 29 years and I've got five, six, seven broadheads on the market, a bunch of patents. What, what else do I have to prove? Yeah. Like, How about you prove me wrong? <laughs> right, right. Takes time and money to do all this stuff. I've spent enough. I don't need to prove to myself what I already know. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> anyway, um, the fact is the, the broadhead, you know, is it perfect? No, I still got some room for improvement. That's the chase. That's the fun of this. I guess that's the drive that keeps me going is I do want to be the first guy in the world to make what is considered by your average bow hunter that doesn't have my knowledge and ability or background, technically speaking, or lethality study. I want the average bow hunter to look at my broadhead and look at everybody else's and go, holy crap, this thing is friggin' perfect. I'm shooting that one. Yeah. <laughs> no salesman crap, none of that stuff. Just look at it, read a little description on the package and go, 
or or maybe do a little social media work, you know, and just look and go, heck yeah, man, that, that's a for real broadhead. That's not some Chinese-made, market-hype, celebrity-driven BS. That's the real damn deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, now, one thing that you said before that I'm I'm kind of interested in, you said when you were going into the tip design, you said that you created, what was it, the pathway of chaos? Okay, the... Cone of chaos? The, the cone of chaos. Airflow of chaos. The airflow yeah. of chaos. Yeah, there we go. So yeah. one thing that I'm really curious about, since it is a little bit bigger broadhead, you said that it's basically pushing the air away from it. How does wind affect it? Is it really throwing it off? Because you said it's sort of like airplane wings and it's flying, it's flying straight like a like a field point. But is there any... Any um, issues with shooting it in high wind yeah, environments, that, is yeah. that what you're saying? Right, no. right, right. So like out west. No, nobody has documented any issues. I mean, listen, this broadhead has been independently tested shot out of airbow at 450 feet per second it's been shot out of 38 and 50 caliber air rifles over 500 feet per second i mean and there is nothing but feedback stating it's the only broadhead that has no premature blade deployment problems right it's the only broadhead that impacting materials at that high rate of speed that doesn't destroy itself at impact. Cause consider for every factor of one, you increase velocity of a projectile. You square the resistance of the medium you're trying to penetrate. It's the same as you going 20 foot up off a railroad bridge and jumping down into the river on a hot summer day, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of big fun to splash and everybody's having fun. We'll back your butt up and about a hundred feet up and jump off that same <laughs> into that same water. And what's going to happen? You're going to break Smash. every bone in your body because <laughs> that water becomes concrete. Correct. <laughs> yeah. the resistance of that medium you're trying to penetrate, even water. So the broadhead is engineered. Even though everybody uses an aluminum body, right? They may have a steel tip or titanium tip or even some use an aluminum tip, which is beyond my – I can't believe they do that, but it's another story. <laughs> anyway, um, why is our broadhead able in aluminum body – to go through major cow leg bone, right, and and be completely undamaged. The same broadhead shot multiple times through brand new cow leg bone, shot after shot, no damage at all. How is that possible when these other guys are using the same material as I am? And they will bend and break in one shot, be one-shot wonders versus uh, durable and reusable. And it comes back to engineering and understanding physics, not only laws, of physics, but engineering principles and practices and material science. Those are my worlds, right? And so yeah. I apply that to my design. And so I, there was a gentleman that I, I don't, I've talked to him on the phone since then, but he's up in Illinois. I guess he's some, uh, I guess he is a very well respected custom arrow builder that is like a, a arrow building guru, I guess. I'd never heard his name before. And somebody wanted him to test a competitor's broadhead that recently came out that's using our technology and our broadhead. And they sent him some to have him test. And I guess he shot a bunch of from just nothing but a foam target through to up to, I don't remember if he shot some kind of fiberboard MDF or plywood or something. But I do know, I do remember him shooting some deer skulls. And in every instance, even in the foam target, their broadhead was a one-shot wonder, even in a foam target. And it bent on a skull of a deer, which to me is considered a paper mache skull compared <laughs> yeah. to a cow leg bone, right? Yeah, so it's nothing. Ours, he shot the same broadhead in every test. 
no damage still through he shot ours through the skull twice and i don't know what else he shot it through i know he shot a target i think he shot some kind of a piece of plywood i, I might have mixed up with somebody else but i know he used only our broadhead throughout all the testing and still at the end of the testing no damage still hair shaving sharp <laughs> and um and it shocked him to the point where he says he's do, doing nothing but using our better broadheads from now on he was so impressed <laughs> that's awesome honestly yeah but that, that's the difference between engineering you know spending the time to earn the knowledge and understand my craft and design a broadhead based off all the years of applying what i've learned right through that hard work and sacrifice versus another company that looks at a patent figures a way out of it and in six months puts a broadhead on the market saying look at what we did we're the first and only to ever do this we're the best in the world blah 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 okay Let's and then fix the, and then fix it off of everyone else's, uh, downfalls, basically, and failures. And they fix what, what people failed at. It's just. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know. Exactly right. So now it's a play, catch up with a band-aid, right? Right. Right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. What? So we, you know, we take a lot of pride in what we do. We, we never rush things to market. We try to be patient, methodical. And I actually was not going to put the veteran on the market three years ago. I wanted one more year to refine all aspects of the business and um, just to be doubly sure and because it just is it's such a leap of faith off the cliff financially that you've got to get it right. You know, you got one chance to get it right. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Now, there was, go ahead. I was going to say one thing that I noticed that you mentioned before, you said that shooting it out of an airbow, shooting it out of Anything, getting 500 feet per second. You said it's the only broadhead that doesn't have premature opening. Well, okay. You're the broadheads that can do all that, right? Mm -hmm. But like this gentleman told me, they ended up having to modify a lot of the broadheads just to be able to be shot to that velocity. And then either because they had to modify it with extra rubber bands or whatever, the, at impact, it either didn't open or when it did open, it destroyed itself in one shot. Was <laughs> not usable again. Right. So, I mean, you can... You can find a broadhead here and there that can achieve that accuracy at those velocities, but there's there's other issues that are involved in the total dynamics of being out of the package, perform to those standards, and be flawless at impact to do its job when it gets there. So based off of that, most like you even said it yourself, most broadheads mechanical, they're either using a little plastic shock collar or they're using rubber bands. How is yep. yours able to withstand that velocity and stay closed and open on impact the way that it should just engineering just you engineering know, just the engineering of understanding interaction with air molecules number one and mm -hmm. making sure that i achieve that accuracy and then the next thing is once i get there it's like this all right the blades are held shut with a, a 7075 t6 aluminum collar that is pushing forward with the outer spring tension, right? Mm -hmm. Pushing forward into two detents that are engineered in the backside of my blade. So I've got a spring pushing forward, and I've got an arrow pushing backwards, baby. You know, basically, the blades are being pushed backwards at launch from 0 to 500, 600 feet per second. It doesn't matter. You can shoot me to any speed you want. I'm still going to not prematurely deploy my blade just cannot release i mean you can even bang our broadhead when the blades are locked down where they're supposed to be locked down on the ring you can even bang them and they won't pop open you take a lot of these other broadheads and bang them across your hand you know the arrow or the bolt across your hand you're here 
the blades go click, 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 click. They're snapping and then shutting back because of the rubber band effect of the O-ring or plastic collar, whatever it is that holds your blade shut. Well, that happens when you launch it off a bow or a crossbow. That little clack happens. That's an airplane wing opening up and then closing again. So these are, like I kind of said earlier, I kind of break down from bow or crossbow through the air, through the animal in millisecond slices of time. You follow what I'm saying? I do. So what is that broadhead doing the moment you pull the trigger on your release or your crossbow? And that's that string, even though it's released from the sear, it hasn't moved but one millisecond of motion. Two milliseconds, three milliseconds, four milliseconds, all the way through till it's stuck in the ground or on the, on the ground on the other side of the animal. And so I just try to accommodate for every potential failure mechanism in that entire shot sequence and lethal interaction with the animal and then pick it up clean it off and until you can use it again every single millisecond of thought i've I've given into that entire sequence of events is i've tried to encompass that in my design and uh, so far so good i mean i know i can do a little bit better because occasionally we get customers that say well i shot a deer and the blades didn't release and this and that and i'm like well what happened to the deer Oh, I watched it go over there 20 yards and fall over stone dead. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. It did its job. And, and uh, what about the broadhead? Oh, it's ready to go again. But the blades didn't open. Well, I engineered it to chill just in case the blades didn't open because, you know, you guys have heard of Mr. Murphy, right? Absolutely. Anything that but, could go wrong will. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, when man plans, God laughs, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I've always kept that foremost in my mind, and I never say I'm a, you know, I'm, I, I've made a perfect broadhead yet. I haven't, but damn, my recovery rate and lethality in five years shows I have a better broadhead than other people because we're finding more animals consistently over the course of not just five or ten or thirty or fifty animals, right? I, I had a world class archer just. Oh man, I'm just the egos of some of these people. I've killed a hundred animals. I know everything about broadheads. This a hundred animals. I'm thinking that's a pretty slow month for us. <laughs> and that's what that's what he's killed in his lifetime. And this guy thinks he's a broadhead expert. I'm like, man, you better stick to target shooting and killing phone because you got <laughs> zero knowledge about keep broadheads. killing exes. <laughs> Poking phone, buddy. And Matt, you touched on it a little bit, but what do you think about, so as far as traveling through, maybe say you have a shot and there's an animal with a little bit of grass right in front of his chest or something like that, and you're, you're shooting through high grass, will the, the tip of the broadhead then clear that out of the way as well? You know what I mean? Um, number one, I don't care what broadhead you're shooting. I, I, if you're in a bow hunting situation, you typically have time if you're going to be able to take the shot. That means you haven't spooked the animal and he doesn't know you're around. Mm-hmm. So my advice is don't take that shot until you have a clear path to the vitals. Okay. That's number one. If somebody's going to start selling broadheads because, look, I can go. That's like selling bullets <laughs> to shoot through brush, right? <laughs> that's crazy. You know, have I done it? Yep, I've done it. Have I killed yeah. the animal? Yep, I've killed the animal. With a bow, yeah, it's a whole different story mm-hmm. than a bullet, right? It's it's a big energy, and 
a different dispersion pattern going through grass and trees with a or brush with a bullet than there is with a an arrow. Yeah. The, the, I would just suggest, especially since probably new bow hunters are listening to your podcast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is better to wait. That animal can be easily just work himself into a better position where you get a very clear shot in a higher, more ethically reason, you know, or opportunity to, to, to kill. And I don't use the word harvest. I say kill because that's what we're doing. We're killing these animals. All this harvest and all this politically correct BS, <laughs> man, don't do it. <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. You harvest corn, not animals. <laughs> exactly. I'm all, that's it. I'm not out there can harvest some fruits and vegetables. I'm chilling to get some delicious backstraps. Yeah, I'm, I'll be. I've said both. You know, I've I've used harvest in the sense of when I think about you know what meal I made with that animal, and I think about killing when I'm out there in the tree stand and I know what I'm doing. And I don't know what I I don't know why I use both, but I have used harvest in the past in a sense it's, of it's called pro- pre-programming. Yeah. It is the industry's effort to sound politically correct and cognizant of or, or sensitive to all the city dwellers, you know, the PETA people. Man, screw that. You know, <laughs> if you don't have thick enough adult skin to understand what the words mean and what the truth of the actions are, man, go go mix up a batch of cupcakes and enjoy that. You know? <laughs> we're, over, we're over here killing stuff and we're eating good barbecue and feeding our families and enjoying our chosen lifestyle and i don't call it a sport it's it's a lifestyle it's you know sport is you're gonna go kick a ball around the field or something whatever (laughs) you know it's 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 not a sport there's nobody keeping score right that's no i I definitely agree with that (laughs) absolutely Um, you know i mean yeah especially coming from a guy from california and all you know His broad is just double. <laughs> <laughs> Low hanging fruit, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, fine. I, I got the skin. Fire away, cupcake. <laughs> what was that? You're up there in the Pennsylvania, the Dark of the Moon Hunt Club. What? <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. It's you know, I'm 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 hoping before I get up there to meet with Gerald Oteg and do some happy elk hunting in the meadows of the heavens that I have achieved my version of a perfect broadhead. And I know right now, having learned what I've learned in doing this two-bladed veteran version, man, I can't wait to get a lot of this pressure of my broadhead business and running it day-to-day off my chest, get this little consulting project finished, and then I am on this broadhead, these two versions of broadheads like you can't imagine. Yeah. I've already got some more sample blade material in that's, well, I won't go into the details, but I got more. I'm doing some things and, um, I'm, I'm going to hope that, that everybody out there understands when I say that, yeah, the veteran's great, but I got, I've learned and I got more to do. They'll appreciate the fact that I'm just not blowing smoke up people's rear ends and I'm really working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't. I'm sorry, Austin, but I don't think you even mentioned when you talked about recovery rate that your recovery rate has been an astounding 96 percent over the last five years consistently. 
And yeah. I've heard yeah. you say it two or three times now about, you know, a fixed blade broadhead on average is at 83% and a mechanical is at 87%. You know? All, yeah, that's all fixed blades, single mm-hmm. bevel, double bevel, three and four bladed, and then uh, all mechanicals, whether they're two, three, four bladed, whether they're jackknife, pushback, cam up cam open the new hybrids doesn't matter it's um it, they're all it, it, yes everybody's out there cherry picking oh i've killed 10 deer and i've, I've recovered every one of them and i've used the same bro no they haven't that's that's just cherry picking mm-hmm. when, when you get independent lethality studies it's there's some public knowledge out there that, that's been published i will never publish mine but I'm, I'm independent there's a couple others out there and you'll see that they average year to year, and this is a white-tailed deer, 20 yards and less shots. This is not even accommodating for the fact that for white-tail hunters across this nation, the average shot distance is 38 yards and less. So the lethality studies are trying to eliminate the human variable, and they keep the shots at 20 yards and less. Okay? Because mm-hmm. everybody's an Olympic shooter at 20 yards, right? <laughs> So uh, that minimizes the human variable and gives a more true indication of the broadhead's performance with respect to recovery rates. And um, so, yeah, we're at 96%. uh, And that's beyond 20 yards, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm trying to pass college, I'll take an 83 or 87% all day long. But if I'm trying to kill deer, I kind of like the looks of 96%. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. (laughs) Yeah, because invariably the failure rate occurs on what? The biggest, toughest buck in the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's a dream buck. You finally figured it out. You'd solve the Rubik's Cube of being in the right place at the right time. Maybe the good Lord blessed us with just that moment of opportunity. The Boone and Crockett stepped out, bam, and what happened? Nothing. (laughs) The deer runs off wounded, and, you know, it's like this. I'll give you an example. This is people's mentality, and this is why I kind of laugh at people to say, well, I'll give your broadhead a test, and, and, um, and they discount all the engineering and global field testing done by PHs and outfitters and, you know, some really good dang bow hunters that I've got confidence in. And you get this, I got a guy out of Oklahoma this last year, Cindy, was it? Yeah, last year. He heard about the veteran and I'm this so-and-so and I got this TV show and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm going to test your broad in and I want you to give us a lot of money and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, go, go test it, whatever. And I've got this booner on camera and I'm going to put this veteran through it and then you're going to give us a big check. No, I'm not, but you can go test it all you want. And, uh, so he went and got that good, good on him. He got that big old buck in bow range and he launched the veteran brought it and whack off the deer runs. Never found the deer. They got the dogs out the whole nine yards. And he said the reason he didn't get that deer was because my broadhead failed. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, we got how many thousands of years of Indians with sharp rocks, fixed blade broadheads been killing animals? <laughs> how does a one and a quarter inch cut broadhead always, even if the blades don't open, how does that not kill your Boone and Crockett animal? Please, I'm, I'm ready to learn. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, he went off on me on social media, on the phone to me, blah. I mean, he read me the riot act on the phone about I owe him a Boone and Crockett animal and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, you need to, you need to go chill. 
And and then that was that. I pretty much says, you know, I don't I don't need your BS on my phone, and I have a good life. Oh yeah. yeah. So next thing you know, here comes the end of the season, right? End of the season, or was it rifle season? It was rifle season. He shot it, right? Lo and behold, guess what steps out? That big old Boone and Crockett buck. He killed it. <laughs> guess what? The only thing that I cannot engineer to solve and fix, he shot the placement. I cannot be there in this stand to make sure that you put the broadhead through a lethal part of that animal. Yep. That's it. That That's as simple as it. You think, I even made a comment on that guy's post on the social media and said, well, that's pretty interesting news. I think I think maybe you could give me a public apology for how you <laughs> flapped your lip, you know, in the public and then on the phone to me. And uh, you think I'd get an apology? No. Hell no. All that bad talk about the veteran broadhead is still out there, and it just drives me crazy because, you know, I, I run into these cupcakes every day, every day. So, yeah, you're, you're dealing with a businessman that's like one, probably one of the most controversial, probably one of the toughest, you know, to deal with. It, it's just... You're well, probably I, I, always going to deal with it, you know. There's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be negative people out there, and that's fine. I, I, know? I'm okay with that, you know. But if they would just be honest in a conversation, yes. that's yes. where I differentiate. Okay, now you're crossing the line of, of BS loyalty to a brand that has been proven to have issues. Now, now let's move away from your emotional attachment to this and talk honestly with mm -hmm. integrity and facts. And they just can't do it, you know. And that's why. That's why people like Hillary Clinton get almost voted into office, right? Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> <Just> useful idiots. <laughs> yes. So, they don't think for themselves. They parrot what they've been told to say. And I'm not about that. I want you to go out and test my broadhead. But don't come back and tell me that my broadhead failed to kill that Boone and Crockett buck when we're over here killing kudu and eland and giraffe. And, you know, we're going right through the school of crocodiles. I got combat veterans that got blowed up in Iraq with a prosthetic arm and a release that's wired into it and he can only pull 42 pounds back and he's blowing through an alligator skin breaking a major leg bone on the alligator skewering the lungs in that joker and killing a big old nine ten foot alligator with that little setup when that in the the biologists and all the expert people that were there on that alligator hunt told him you're freaking crazy don't do it Everybody else was using guns. He's the only one that used a bow. <laughs> and uh, and he killed this giant alligator with that veteran tip. You know, that veteran brought it on the end of his arrow. That is absolute testament to what that thing can do, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, I'm yeah, I'm proud of it. But, man, I know I can do better, and I just can't wait to get that out of my brain and into the, on the end of the arrows. And it's coming. It's coming. I promise you it's coming. Well, I'll tell you what. I can't wait to see what you come up with <laughs> next, man. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating this year using your broadhead, killing something with it, and seeing good results. And the yeah. things that come after that, man, I, I can only imagine the way that your mind is working now with what you've already done and just pushing past that and trying to find the best broadhead you can. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I think you have nothing left to prove at this point, to be honest. Oh, I do to myself. That's what yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I can do better, and so I'm driven just to do that. And uh, I, yep. I I want to give, you know, here's the thing. I write it down on the top of my, maybe I haven't done it 
this year. But normally I'll write down on the top of my engineering tablet that I work on to do design and development work. I write in ethical consideration of the animals we hunt. That is my first priority, and that is what got me into developing broadheads is because that is not the priority of any other broadhead company that I've talked with. And, and, and they pushed me into doing this because they weren't adhering to those simple principles. Uh, it, it was all about profits at any expense, and, and that just drove me crazy call me crazy right (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then you turn around and you know you're not the type of person that when people come to you just like you came to them with suggestions or something that they wanted you know you're adjusting and you're giving them what they want and you know you are always striving to be better and i think that's where it comes from but you know you're not you're not the person on the other end that says well if you if you want to do better then you you find out a way to do better you know, so yeah, I, I have mad respect for that. Yeah, I I talked. I mean, I get people call me up all the time and say, "Hey, I got this idea, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Well, non compete, non disclosure. We can talk about it." I'm not. And and it's like recently, there's a gentleman that's got some kind of a crazy. There's a big difference between theory, thinking that something's going to yes. work, and then trying to talk somebody about the practicality of it or the reality of it from a okay, come on, guys, you know, you're not going to stick an airplane engine, you know, for a, 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 a jumbo jet on your Volkswagen Beetle and break some land speed record. You're just going to blow yourself up. Damn it, I've been trying <laughs> for years. You're not going to sell $5 million of those to the consumers out there and, and, and get rich. I got guys like that with designs call me up all the time. I got this, I got that, and I'm like, come on, man. You're crazy. You know, I'm <laughs> crazy. Don't dampen your enthusiasm for trying to make a better broad hit, but dude, you can't just get your pencil paper out and do a little bit of drawing and, and not done your homework, you know. No, I totally but, agree. Well, a lot of people don't have the mindset or the background that you have too. So, you know, people that think something looks good or you know, think something'll work, you can put the realism to it or, you know, the facts behind it and say, Hey, sorry, but you know, this isn't practical. And that comes from your experience. And like you said, you've been doing this for years and years and years. And you basically have been trained to kill for these, all these years on this broadhead. And, you know, that's, that's what it's meant to do. And that's, you know, that's like you said, that's why you have the, the name behind the product and the name on the broadhead is the veteran for a reason. and uh, Yeah, yeah. It's one thing. You know, there, it's, I'm not saying that you cannot make a better broadhead, but mm-hmm. there's there's bandwidth of operation that you have to stay within in order to be able to put it on the market and actually have a viable business. Sure. And we're flirting with the upper end of not being viable because it costs so much to make our broadheads. So you can have a good design, but if it's complex – uh, and it's going to be real expensive. And the more complex you make it, the less structural integrity you have. And there's all kinds of other things that come into play on that, you know. And it's like the best compliment I ever got was from, you know, the number one broadhead manufacturer in the world. And that guy's a man. He's got my mad respect. I, I apologize. I forget his name, but he's an ex Navy SEAL that works for that company, and he's their broadhead design guy. And the year we debuted the veteran at the ATA show, he came over and. And blessed me with more than an hours of his time. And we talked broadheads, broadhead design guy to broadhead design guy. And uh, went over the details like we are with a veteran broadhead. And at the end of that time, 
And this is with a whole bunch of people around there that worked for that company. And, and this gentleman gave me the best compliment I've ever had on, on anything I've done in this industry. He was like, you know, he says, there's no way possible I would have ever thought somebody would <laughs> ever accomplish so much and still be 100 grains. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's from a guy that knows how hard this is. Right. And I was like, dude, thank you. You know, and that's from a, a, a double that with, that was the friggin' Navy SEAL saying that. <laughs> so I was like, damn, it's a good day for old redneck Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. No, I love yeah. it. I love it. I love everything yeah. about it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I, that I found this product and I'm glad I got to reach out and contact you and, and get to talk to you now for probably combined three or four hours between our two conversations. <laughs> I'll call anytime. We, we like chatting, don't we, honey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as we don't get in the way of you guys making money and, uh, you know, working hard over there, then I'd talk anytime. I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us yeah. the, uh, the time to talk about your products and talk about what you believe in because you can tell you can definitely tell in your tone and you know how much this isn't just another product that you're pushing to try to make a penny like you said you know this is something you believe in this is something you care for and unfortunately it's getting in the way of the whole reason you started this whole thing is to kill something well yeah (laughs) look I'm, i'm 57 years old believe me I've killed a bunch of critters, and, and I've been blessed that I've had an empty tag in my pocket, and a Boone and Crockett animal just happened to step out. Not that I'm specifically, I'm not a trophy hunter. Right. They just happened to have a bad day and step out when my tag needed punching, <laughs> and I shot them. That's right. But I do get more fun out of it pretty much now that my health is kind of going away, and I I, I just can't go do what I want to do. And mm-hmm. and so I really enjoy running a video camera and watching my wife kill a deer. My daughter, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter, Lynn, she's 27 now. And I don't know if you saw the video of her this last spring where her husband and, and her went turkey hunting. And her husband was going to shoot the first turkey, and then it would have been Lynn's turn, right? And so her mm-hmm. husband gets the shotgun out, bang, kills a turkey first day. And then her husband was going to get the shotgun out for my daughter. And she's like, oh, hell no. I'm a bow hunter. (laughs) She pulls out her bow. She's eight months pregnant, sitting on the ground, in the open, no (laughs) blind. They call in some turkeys. And she skewers one on film. Just skewers it with a veteran. And it flies over there 15 yards and falls dead out of the sky. Nice. The hard way. And my... My son-in-law comes and he says, he says, Dad, he says, there is no way if you would ever ask me if I would marry a woman that's not only a better shot than me, a better fisherman, but a better bow hunter than me. I'd have said you're full of crap. (laughs) Here he is. He married her. So that's awesome. (laughs) So I'm I'm enjoying being able to get my daughter and my son-in-law on hunts. You know, let them go have fun. I've had my fun. That's I'm going to awesome. go do a more hunt. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Yeah. I really want to be hunting that next broadhead design. That's that's my Boone and Crockett hunt, right? There you go. That's there a go. good goal to have, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're doing other things. I mean, I want to be the first person to have a bow at 70 pounds, 30 inches. It shoots over 400 feet per second without doubt. Ooh. I'm pretty sure I could do it, too. But so that, I got to get these broadheads off. <laughs> this is where my mind goes, right? This is why we don't sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't sleep much. I, I can't shut my brain off. Oh, so. I, I don't even want to be anywhere near your mind when it comes time to lay down on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait till I flip that Navy switch when we're at camp, boy. You have to, you, you be laughing. <laughs> I can't say it on this radio kit podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Matt. I've been listening to you the whole time, and I've been my, my gears have been working in my mind, and I think I have a million-dollar idea for you. Oh, well. So you've been around with, with microchips and, and everything scientific that I can possibly think of. So yeah. you need to come out with the world's first rocket-propelled broadhead, and we will call it... <laughs> <laughs> rocket power? No, no. You, you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the Tomahawk Cruise Broadhead. <laughs> uh, company out there called the Tomahawk, so I can't use that name. <laughs> oh, come on. He's already yeah. thought about it. <laughs> All right, yeah. it'll be the surface-to-air broadhead. <laughs> it's just going to be a... Oh, man. It'll be my, my Haji Hunter broadhead. <laughs> there yeah. you go. I love it, man. You fix one problem, and you, you're lo- already looking at something else. Maybe maybe not. it's not called a problem, but you, you solve one thing, you come up with a solution for something, and you're always trying to make it better, but now you're thinking outside the box, well, if I can make this better, why can't I make that better? I, I just love it. I love yeah, your mindset. Yeah, so now, you know, I, I am going to be machining some more prototypes here pretty quick but we're coming out with stabilizers where i have a site you know an archery site and i've got i'm let's just say i'm busy and and so while i'm not putting arrows through critters hardly anymore i am i'm punching tags on my design goals i've got a good buddy called sam wood he's up there and he's a crazy son of a gun former marine Sam Woods Outdoors, I don't know if you know him. Look him up. Big time bow fisherman. I mean, okay. this dude's got world records. He's an amazing man. A lot of mad respect for him. But he's, you know, I I got stuff I'm working on for him, or I should have been working on. I got distracted with all this VIP business. But <laughs> that's a bullet design for him I want to do. I got something else I want to work for him, you know, work on for him, and, you know, his idea. And, I mean, there's just no lack of things, you know, inside the archery industry as well as outside the archery industry. I'm fixing to get busy in the fishing industry as well. Awesome. Well, hey, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you and the one-liners from Cindy. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, i got to thank you guys. This is the quietest she's been in about five years. <laughs> <laughs> You're pushing it again, Matt. <laughs> we get you off the limb and you just jump right back on. Uh, you know, I love oh yeah but uh why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can find vip where they can order your uh broadheads or, or some of your other products that you got out yeah you can go to veteranip.com and we apologize our website's not updated we're currently just about to start a complete rebuild of it we've had some issues with it uh worst case scenario they can just call us at 512 and they'll get Cindy, and we'll take your orders, and, and then next thing you know, this fun toys will be headed out in the mail. Huge thank you to Matt and Cindy for coming on the podcast, blowing our minds, giving me a brand new six pack, making my cheeks hurt. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> it was just that was an awesome episode. Blew my mind. My brain literally hurts. I got to go take some Tylenol. I'm gonna have to listen back and start googling words and piecing out our episode and just be like, okay, this is what he was talking about here. Because <laughs> you find yourself spacing out, like, what is this guy talking about? It's so high tech. Yeah, dude. Like this is intense, but you feel like you're following along because he 
even though he does use some pretty crazy words and terminology, you're still like, yeah, I totally understand. I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. We don't have a clue, but I'm like, yes, absolutely. I dig it. Now that What a fun episode, though, man. I, I lost my mind on this episode. We laughed for like three hours straight. Yeah. I wish we could put it all into recording. Before the episode, after the episode, mm-hmm. during the episode. My, I'm telling you, I literally have a brand new six-pack. <laughs> Dude, we... We started recording, well, we started to talk to him before recording, and it was just like, we had to interrupt and be like, listen, we got to get going here, because if we don't, we're never going to get a real episode. <laughs> yeah, seriously, we just kept talking about random stuff, and it was, I had a blasty blast. Yeah, so I think we may even cut, like, directly into him talking. I can't remember how we started it, but. Don't worry about it, I yeah, got to take care you, of it. You can handle that part. <laughs> <laughs> On other notes, so this weekend, man. I'm excited to uh, announce the 21st annual Killing Grill. I will be there late. I have my cousin's wedding. Yeah, you're no longer invited. But I will still be there. <laughs> you're fired. I'll be there about midnight. <laughs> yeah. Did you order a shirt? I, I don't know if I did or not. Oh, that's, man. That's Brooke. You got to see the uh, the shirt designs. I got the picture today. I can drive on that. They approved the shirt designs, and it is amazing. That's going to be awesome. Tribute to the Yakster. Sweet. Yep. It's going to be. It's really cool. I really cool. That. I can dig that. But, I'm a little bit bummed that I'm going to mess most of the food. What are you making? I'm not making anything. I'm not going. I'm going to have to leave early in the morning to get down to my cousin's what wedding. What do you mean you're not going to make anything? Everyone then, looks forward to your dish. I'm just saying, dude. I know I don't have time this year. Uh, the one year you didn't even go at all, and you still made something. I know, <laughs> but I had time to drop all right, it off. All right, hold on, day. hold on. Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to go to that wedding, find something meat related, take a whole bunch in a doggy bag, and bring that with you <laughs> as your meal. <laughs> I might still make something. We'll see. No, no, it's fine. I'm just kidding. I'm pulling your chain. It's a great event. There's always a ton of food. There is. No big deal. It's a good time. All right. I promised the listeners also we'd touch base on the descendant of Indiana Jones. Yeah. So from what I remember, his grandfather or great-grandfather? Oh, man. Now it's going. His grandfather. His grandfather met the author of Indiana Jones. And he based it off of his real life. Yes. Yeah. So how about that? Because about of that? his real life adventures, and that's kind of where Matt gets his adventurous side and his innovative side. It comes from his grandfather. I'll put which, that clip in right here. Little history of our family is kind of exciting. You know that whole Indiana Jones and all that movies that came out. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the dude that wrote those books and that ended up being written into movies, um, he met my great grandfather in his travels and talked to him at length i guess and that's what planted the seed for those books to be written because that was my great-grandfather in real life no kidding yeah we actually have a museum in pasadena california that's got a ton of his globe trotting travel you know uh, religious artifacts searching things from and um so yeah that's we got a little exciting family history there even though we got an unusual name yeah family history we still met the descendant of indiana jones though i can say that i yeah Yeah. (laughs) with confidence yeah and so i i think that's where i got my globe trotting bug indiana jones it was badass that's insane yes it was that's pretty cool it was i thought it was really neat good for him yeah (laughs) on another note yeah we still have hats available we still have t-shirts available yes we do we are in the process of creating a truck decal i'm waiting for the proof to come and i will let you guys know when it's done 
Yeah, that'll be cool. It will be cool. I think it's going to be nice. That's something that we're going to run different times or we're going to be giving them away. We'll yeah. have them for sale for cheap. Super cheap. But it's going to be something that you can slap on your car, show a little extra support to the podcast, maybe a conversation starter. Yeah, I dig it. You know, you can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Go Wild at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. If you're feeling frisky, you can run over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. If you're feeling super frisky, you can hop on your laptop or on your smartphone and you can send me an email at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. No one messages me anymore. So <laughs> hey, we're back on this train. <laughs> I kid, I kid. But we really appreciate you guys listening to the episode. We Absolutely. appreciate all the continued support from everybody. Huge thanks again to Matt and Cindy for coming on, blowing our minds, and really just having a great product. Yeah, God bless those two. Those two are some great individuals. Absolutely. Distraction's real. The distraction is real. Let's go.